Sephora stores are everywhere you are. So just pop in when you need a brown lip to match your 90s playlist, a confidence boost before your interview, or a last-minute gift for mom's birthday. There's always a Sephora near you. Just pop in. Use our store locator to find your local Sephora or Sephora at Kohl's. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift, the Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. How do you feel great on vacation? Like, really good? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sand beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll immerse yourself in natural wonder and find your center on an island where things move at your speed. You won't just feel great, you'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba Effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Hey guys, welcome back to Thick and Thin with me, Katie Bilotti. This week has been quite something. We had Monday off here in America for Labor Day holiday, the Labor Day holiday, rather. And although it was Labor Day, I ended up laboring on Labor Day. I was working. I was like on my computer. Colby and I, my friend Colby, we went home to my hometown in Maryland and we hung out there, had kind of like a married couple weekend. Like it felt kind of like we were a married couple, like an old married couple, because we just like, we full on just relaxed. We sunned out in the backyard. We got really awesome food, just really relaxed, you know, got some R&R in, which was really nice. But then Monday, we took the train back to the city. And while on the train, I was just typing away and Colby's like, Katie, it's Labor Day. You're not supposed to be working. And yet I was working because I have found recently there's very little boundaries. And this is a a personal thing like that I need to work on, I think, because I am my own boss. I feel like I have very uh, blurry boundaries when it comes to work and life. Don't have a great work-life balance right now, so I have to work on that, literally work on it. So basically where I'm going with this is I've been feeling stressed recently. (laughs) I have been on edge. I've been kind of overwhelmed with a lot of things. And I know it's not super apparent all the time from social media that I feel this way, but I do definitely feel on the stress, not only from work and from balancing my social life and whatever, but also comparison. I have been ruthlessly comparing myself to other people recently, and it's something that I'm aware of. So I think the first step is becoming aware of this thing that you do, and then obviously figuring out a way to create balance with it, make it subside, figure out why you do it. You know what I mean? So I will admit I've been comparing myself to other people. I have been poking and prodding and wondering why my body looks a certain way and why after six months of personal training, why, you know, I still have cellulite and things like that. 
that, you know, I really just don't have control over. And my biggest thing as a human is I, and many people's biggest thing is I crave control at all times, even when it isn't possible. I get really frustrated when I don't have control. I get very frustrated when other people aren't on my timeline or if other people are doing something that I'm like, wait a second, why, why am I not doing that? You know, I just, I need control. I need to feel like I am on top of things. And if I don't, I get very stressed and very nervy and frustrated and take it out on other people. And, you know, I just am not a very pleasant person to be around. So I'm working on this this week. And I think that the, the thing that really helps me when I'm dealing with insecurity or moments of extreme stress. Number one is figuring out what that thing is. So right now it's, you know, my body is stressing me out. I feel like I should be losing weight because I see other people doing it so seamlessly and effortlessly on TikTok. And I'm like, how the heck did they do that in six months? You know, things like that. And I've been watching old YouTube videos of mine, comparing myself to or my current body to how my body looked when I was like 15 years old and literally hadn't hit puberty yet or barely did. And obviously my body's going to look different then. I also didn't know what alcohol was. I had not discovered Mike's Hard Lemonade yet, uh, which is like the first alcohol I discovered. But actually, no, my first alcohol was whiskey. I'm pretty sure. Fireball. Anyway, I digress. So the first thing that I do to combat these things is to figure out what it is and where it's coming from, why I'm feeling insecure about said thing. Like, have I been spending too much time on TikTok and Instagram and comparing myself or what the heck is it? And then from there, I I research. I love finding stories. You guys know that. I like finding the truth. I like digging and figuring out why things are a certain way because the truth really does set you free. <laughs> What's that song? It's like, the truth will set you free, but first it'll piss you off. I feel like that's a quote that someone said and they used it in that um, Rihanna Lemon song, right? Anyway, the truth will set you free, but first it might piss you off. <laughs> that is true. But getting to the bottom of it, figuring out the truth is the way, you know, knowledge is power. I really do believe in that. So finding out why this thing that you were insecure about even exists, like the origin of this thing that you want that you can't get. Why do we feel the need to have this thing? And some examples of this. I can think of a bunch of examples, actually, and a lot of them have to do with just our genetic code, our evolution as humans and things that our ancestors have really, you know, deeply ingrained into our into our being as a human being. You know, like there's certain things like why we crave companionship, why it's hard for some of us to be alone. Well, the tribe mentality obviously is the reason for that. Like, years and years and years and years and years ago, if you didn't have people surrounding you, if you didn't have a tribe, you'd be dead. You'd be meat for the tigers to eat. You'd be tiger food. So <laughs> obviously you stick with the, the tribe, you stick with your pack. And so if you feel lonely, if you move to a new city and you don't have friends or you don't have a relationship to fall back on, you feel like something is really, really missing and something is really, really wrong. So there are reasons for the feelings, for the insecurities that we feel. And realizing those reasons, kind of doing our research really, really helps us through it. So recently I've been thinking about one of my main, like massive insecurities that I have, like the, the one when I think about my insecurities physically, 
what is like number one. And I have to say in recent years, it has definitely been my cellulite because as I've gotten older, it's just kind of gotten worse or like spread into different areas. And, you know, the cellulite on my body has really stressed me out. It has prevented me from wearing a lot of the clothes that I want to wear. A lot of the things with like the high slit on the side of the leg, I've had to stay away from out of fear of exposing my cellulite, things like that. Uh, don't even get me started on little cutoff short jean things, like little shorts. Haven't worn any of those since I was like 15 because of my cellulite. And cellulite has been a huge pain point for me, something I have tried creams for, I have considered treatments for, I have considered everything, cutting out certain foods like miracle products that get rid of cellulite. I have thought of everything possible. I have done my research into what cellulite is and how it develops like in the tissue, in the skin. But you know what I haven't researched? (laughs) When was cellulite introduced? Where did it come from? Has it been around forever? Has everyone known what cellulite is? Because I certainly didn't when I was like 14. I didn't know what the word cellulite meant. I never imagined in a million years that I would lose my silky smooth backs of my thighs someday. And I never thought that I would consider this concept of like, oh, my skin could be something could be wrong with dimples. Because like, you know, I was one of those kids that really wanted dimples on my face because I thought they were really cute. And like a bunch of my friends had them and I didn't have dimples on my face. And I was very insecure about that at the time. Like, oh, the things you were insecure about when you were like 14 dimples. I wanted dimples on my face. So like, why the heck are dimples on your face? Okay. But dimples on your butt is not okay. Such a strange double standard involved when it comes to dimples, like justice for dimples, honestly. It's like, okay, we're good with these ones, but not those ones. Very weird. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good and then a bang in the night and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home and I can tell you, I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. 
That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. But anyway, so I today in the pod, I want to take the next step into the next realm of research into cellulite. I want to figure out, well, I already did, but I'm going to share with you guys my findings as far as where the word cellulite, like when it was first printed and when it was first popularized and where and how it made its way into the U.S. and other countries and becoming this explosive term that every woman is afraid of and where the heck, like why, what's the freaking hype? What is the hype? And is cellulite a lot more normal than we think it is? Because obviously we know that many people have it and not many people share it. Obviously they're going to airbrush that out, you know? So today we deep dive into the history of cellulite. So our story begins in the 17th century. There's this guy named Peter Paul Rubens who created this painting called The Three Graces of Three Goddesses. And for background, throughout art history, the three graces, as they were called, are painted over and over again by different artists. It's like not considered plagiarism, I guess, because technically each of them looks different. And these three goddesses were talked about throughout mythology. So there's numerous, numerous artists from history that painted them from Greek mythology to contemporary. The three goddess subjects that are portrayed here represent female beauty over a period of different times and by different artists. So the one that I'm pointing to in this episode is by an artist named Peter Paul Rubens. So if you're able to pull up an image of this painting on Google or somewhere, definitely do because it'll help you understand this episode a bit more. But if not, I'm just going to describe it as best I can. And, you know, I'm really descriptive these days. So Peter Paul Rubens, The Three Graces, if you're going to Google it. But anyway, so what you need to know about this painting, when it was painted, it showcased a beauty ideal, something that women everywhere aspired to look like at the time, 17th century, that is, and what men, so the, the man painting it, thought was beautiful. So here's a little description of the painting. If you guys aren't able to look up a photo, this is all you need to hear. So it basically, it features three women, three goddesses in the nude, obviously, one in the center with her back turned and two others on either side of that one with their arms kind of draped all over each other. It honestly looks like a portrait of three friends gossiping, to be honest, like almost like the one in the middle is asking the other two for advice on like a toxic ex-boyfriend or something. But it's their bodies that points to something interesting. Like I said, this portrait was created to showcase beauty, to be aspirational or just amazed by what you see, you know, how beautiful these women are. They look angelic. Their skin is fair. Their hair is done up elaborately. You know, this was the ideal of beauty at the time. And yet their skin shows dimples. Their butts have dimples. Their, the, you know, backs of their thighs are dimpled. Their bellies are soft and not flat. These women have cellulite as many women today do and did back then but it just isn't airbrushed out. No, Peter Paul Rubens, the artist, went extra lengths to keep it in. Like he could have, it would have been probably easier for him to just leave them smooth and not add these like extra, you know, layers or the, the, the tissue, the skin, whatever the heck goes into painting skin. Like he had to add like indentations and different, use different colors and things like that. It definitely took longer to paint them with cellulite. Peter Paul Rubens kept it in, not to defy beauty standards and be like, you know, I'm making a statement with this. It was because he thought it was beautiful. 
In the 17th century, no one had heard the word cellulite. According to what I was able to find online when I was digging, the word cellulite was first used at the end of the 19th century around, you know, kind of end of 19th, early 20th century. And this was two full centuries of pure bliss that women and men experienced, you know, embracing cellulite as something beautiful, only to have it squished, (laughs) illuminated as a problem two centuries later. Up until this point, body fat was considered a sign of prosperity, wealth, etc. Like no one needed to have these rock solid bodies and cellulite was certainly not of people's concerns. They had much bigger fish to fry in these earlier centuries. So cellulite's first appearance in print dates back to 1873 in the French medical dictionary Littre and Robin. Here, cellulite is described as, quote, the inflammation of the cell tissue or laminate tissue. So inflammation of cell tissue. There's this French journal that has a title that translates to Your Beauty. And there's an article um, in that journal by this mysterious Dr. Debeck, as he was called, or he or she. It was signed Dr. Debeck. I couldn't really find much on that doctor. But in the article, they define cellulite as, quote, the problem to which gymnastics has no cure. (laughs) Wow. The only thing that gymnastics can't cure. The doctor describes it as a, quote, pile of water, residue, toxins, fat, which are a mixture that it is ill-equipped, aka gymnastics can't solve, can't get rid of this pile of water, residue, toxins, and fat, whatever the heck that means. And it wasn't until 1968 that cellulite was printed here in the United States, and it was by Vogue. Vogue published an article called Cellulite, the Fat You Could Not Lose Before. And Vogue prescribed a special rolling pin that could be used to get rid of it. That, along with diet and exercise, obviously. So cellulite in this article and in the articles to come was spoken about as a diagnosis at this point. A diagnosis, like a serious problem that would lead to death. And according to articles that I found, which I'll have linked below, readers of all these publications and doctors, like legitimate doctors, fueled the fear that circulated that, you know, spread like wildfire in the public over having this this diagnosis, this like almost equivalent to a disease or something. Like cellulite was talked about like it was something that it was something that, you know, no one had thought was a problem before. But like all of a sudden now, like, oh, my God. People are checking their the backs of their thighs in the mirror thinking, oh my God, I have it. Like it's like a freaking disease. So people who had never realized before that they had this condition became obsessive. They were comparing themselves ruthlessly to those that somehow didn't have it despite having the same habits and body shapes. And doctors at the time started lumping cellulite in with obesity. It was seen as a condition, not as a normal occurrence, not as something at all beautiful, couldn't be close to beauty. And this hatred that women and some men obviously started feeling towards this incredibly normal body occurrence fueled the beauty industry. Marketers went wild for it, wanted to cook up expensive remedies to cure it. And women's magazines started filling their pages with articles on expert advice, quick fixes, and readers wrote in to ask for help constantly. And it just blew up. 
So according to a Vice article I found called Cellulite Used to be Chill, which is the most amazing headline, by the way, have it linked below. In May of 1935, one of the nervous women wrote into Vogue pondering about the true nature of this sickness. And the response to this reader was, it is degenerated flesh. It is a mix of water, of substances more similar to urine than to blood or water. It can be caused, for example, at the top of the thighs by wearing a belt too tight, which will hinder blood circulation. Imagine the fear. Like women were like probably loosening their belts everywhere, thinking that their belt was the cause. Like, oh my God, it was something I did. Like classically people pinning on women, like, oh, this is your fault. Like, it's not natural. No, it's it's your fault. You did something wrong. You gained weight. You did this. And that is the reason why you have this condition. Like, imagine. Imagine the fear that this caused. In 1935, no one seemed to know the truth behind cellulite, that the truth, which shows that it is so, so common, common in eight out of 10 women, You can have cellulite if you are a size zero, if you are a size 10, if you are a size any size, you can have cellulite at any size. And there's this article by Healthline that reports that more than 85% of women over 21 have cellulite. 85%. Doesn't matter where you're from. Doesn't matter. It's, It's genetics. It's a lot of things that I found online. But like I said, this isn't about that. This is about the history. So there's actually this machine out there called the Cellum 6 which I found retails for anywhere between $10,000 and $23,000. I'm assuming like spas will buy this thing and like offer treatments for like $200 or more. But the machine itself is like a whopping 10K to 23K on the internet, like crazy. So the machine essentially reproduces the rolling massage of physiotherapists, which is used to reduce cellulite. So kind of taking that rolling pin that Vogue prescribed up a notch So in that Vice article that I was talking about earlier, they actually interviewed a biologist that had experience with this Cellu M6 machine. His name was Max LaFontaine, biologist, like I said, super smart guy who like uses a lot of big words to get ready for this. But he worked with the machine for a bit and he said, quote, I demonstrated that it impacts the capacity of response of cellulite fat. So I guess it like does something to get rid of the cellulite look and feel or whatever. But there was nothing sensational about it because the tissue, even if you disturb it a little, it will resettle down as soon as you stop the treatment. So what an amazing like marketing ploy here. Like you need to continue using this thing until you die, basically, to prevent cellulite or like get rid of the look of it. Because if you just use it once, like it's just going to go back and it's a waste of money. So you might as well sign up for a freaking subscription, right? Like that's wild. And do you want to know (laughs) the thing that angers me the most about cellulite entering mainstream media and print and being talked about so much during this time? So like the late 60s in the United States, earlier in other places, but it entered in the 60s to, you know, mainstream media in the US, which honestly feels pretty recent. Like I know it wasn't super recent, but like feels pretty recent, honestly, like before 1968, in the US, hardly anyone had heard the word cellulite, like apart from some doctors probably. But okay, the thing that angers me the most though about all of this is this happened. You know, this being introduced as a problem and all these doctors prescribing all these like mystery creams and rolling pins and things that could help 
fix this problem. This was all happening. Like women had this new thing on their plate to deal with, like new insecurity in a time when so much was changing for us. Like we were getting so much more power than we ever had. Women were finally feeling comfortable or at least a little bit comfortable in the workplace, like going into the office and working for the man. Like they felt like they had this newfound confidence. They weren't just bound to being housewives and pumping out kids and whatever. Like there were other responsibilities that we were finally getting to enjoy and people were finally taking us seriously. Like, you know, for context, the first birth control pill in the U.S. came out in 1960. So just like eight years after that, you know, we were finally taking control of our reproduction and not just, you know, pushing out the kids and that's all we're good for. Like there were many more things that we were able to do. And, you know, also I believe in like the 70s, late 70s, women surpassed men in college enrollment. So, you know, women were going to college. Women were learning about the world. It was this crazy, amazing time for women. And yet we're being dumped on with this like, okay, now you have cellulite and this is a problem and you need to do this and buy this and shell out all this money for expensive procedures that might not even work. And just who knows what other lengths these women were going to. I mean, finally, they were even, you know, as you know from our episode on bikinis, able to wear these two-piece bikinis and not hide in a bathing shed whenever they wanted to go into the the ocean and have to drag, like horses dragged this shed into the water so they could go into the water because they can't be seen, like even partially nude, like no flesh could be seen. And now they're able to show the flesh. They're experimenting with fashion and with bikinis and whatever. And now they have a reason to be ashamed if they have dimples on their thighs and on their butt and whatever. Like it's just maddening to me. You know, women for the first time ever had their own money. They were making their own money only for the men leading these marketing agencies and publications because they were all at the helm of all of these things at this time. Just, you know, these men telling them, these women, about a problem they didn't even know that they had and how they can throw money at said problem and fix it and become beautiful. Like, can we just reflect on the fact that in the 17th century, cellulite was portrayed as like the ultimate form of beauty in those three goddesses that I talked about at the top of the episode? Like, that wasn't, I guess it was like all too long ago at this point, but like, come on, like, how can things have changed that much like, why is this thing now an issue? Like, why, why is it an issue? So it's infuriating because cellulite is so normal. And even still, as we are learning from our research, from phase two of what I do when I'm stressed out, even as we're learning that it's so normal, we're still so insecure about it. We wonder why are some people blessed to not have this problem? You know, we start hating on people who don't have to deal with it. It's an endless cycle of hate and investing in products and creams and treatments that don't seem to be working. It's exhausting, really, fighting genetics, fighting what happens when you grow up and your body simply changes and you experience a drop of alcohol and a fun time and eating french fries and like, I don't know, like it's really different for everybody why we get cellulite. There's so many reasons for it that I don't even feel like talking about in this episode because it's one of those things where it's it's really ruled my life. It has ruled my life. And so I wanted to make this episode to apologize to myself, apologize to my body, you know, for conforming to the thoughts of other people. I am a very unique being as all of us are. And the fact that I have stooped to the level of adopting 
the thoughts of other people, like what is beautiful and what is not, what is healthy and what is not. It's sad. It's sad. And I apologize to myself, you know, for feeding into all these articles and all the miracle creams and all the stuff. I mean, obviously I did it because I thought it would better me in some way, I guess, but bettering myself was purely physical looks wise. And in the process, it didn't really better me mentally at all. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown with three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown. You get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at Wilmington and beaches This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. First, the bad news SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia, or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks, and automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations, so you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology, real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. So, I mean, I remember in elementary, no, not elementary, definitely not elementary school. I was too young to think about it then. More like middle school. I don't remember the specific grade or whatever. I remember at a pool party or something, a guy saying like the word or the phrase is the first time I ever heard it, cottage cheese thighs, cottage cheese thighs. And it was like a a so-called friend of mine. It wasn't about me. It was about someone else, but I was in earshot And I'm like, cottage cheese thighs. I'd never heard that before. And it took me a minute to kind of register that that meant cellulite and that was a bad thing. And after that, I now, whenever I, you know, sometimes wear a light colored legging and I look around in the mirror and I see some dimpling, I'm like, oh my God, I have cottage cheese. I have what this, this boy who, who the heck, I don't even know who he is now, where he is, don't even know. Um, this phrase has stuck with me this long. And here I am. I can't remember like Pythagorean theorem, but I remember that. (laughs) Like, Isn't it whack? So anyway, I'm learning to see these things not as an issue, not as something I should be ashamed of, not as something that, you know, the neighborhood boys are like, because like the neighborhood boys are insecure. And so obviously they're going to project their insecurities on women. It's just freaking dimples. Okay. It's just freaking dimples. And you'll see. I mean, it's just, it's one of those things where the media just doesn't stop. The the publications don't quit because just when I'm starting to adopt the idea that I'm okay with cellulite and I'm like, it doesn't affect me as much. It's not something that rules my life as much as it used to. I then am fed an article or an Instagram ad or something about like the five worst bikini bodies or I see Kylie Jenner pre-pregnancy announcement, like with her smooth, perfect skin. And like you, 
are fed these images, these messages and things that that set you off. And it's just so hard to not let it bother you. If it's a huge insecurity of yours, it's really, really hard to not let it bother you. And for me, I think that my kind of coping mechanism, other than the the two things that I mentioned to you guys, so like figuring out where the problem stems from and then researching the problem, looking into the history, finding stories on it. But then the third thing that I do in this you know, realm of, of it's like a body issue or whatever, quote issue, I get my body moving and not out of hate, not out of let me get rid of this, but out of proving to myself just how strong and how capable I am and how having dimples on my thighs doesn't mean I can't lift weight. Like the other day, I literally, I did, uh, what are they called? Um, hip thrusts where you put the bar on your like hips and you thrust it up and then down. And it's really, really wow, crazy on your legs, like really build strength and then muscle. And that's my goal with working out as you guys know. So was doing that. I worked my way up to, I believe like 270 pounds or something, 275 or something like that. And I'm like, okay, if my legs can do that, if my legs are strong like that and so capable and are able to move me in all these places. Why does it matter if there's a few dimples on them? Like, why does it matter? I think that once you focus on a different goal that you know, is in the same grain as this insecurity as you of that you have. Like, obviously, my body is an insecurity of mine in some ways, but it's also something that really brings me a lot of joy to see how my strength is improving. And it's it's been a project in a way, not molding myself into a different form necessarily, but just getting my body to a place where I can trust it even more when I can just, you know, know that I'm able to do things like, going into something, knowing that you're going to be able to do it is like a really great feeling, obviously, like feeling prepared. Um, Like if you're at the base of a mountain and you know for a fact you can make it up to the top because you've been training for it, like that's a great feeling. Training for something is a great feeling. So that has really helped me, especially when it comes to accepting my cellulite and not letting it bring me down so far. Like I've cried over it before. I have cried. I have envied. I have walked behind a girl that's wearing really cute cutoff shorts and thought to myself, wow, there's no way you're ever going to be able to wear that. Like talking to myself, like being mean to myself. Like if I said half the things to my friends that I say to myself, like I would no longer have friends because they're mean. The things that I say to my body are mean. So I am apologizing to myself in this episode for half the things that I've said to my poor body that doesn't deserve it because it's just trying its best, you know? And I just think it's one of those things where with every passing year, we become more and more aware of things that we didn't even know was quote wrong with us, right? Like cellulite, something I didn't know existed when I was like 14. And now I'm so aware of it. And another one that honestly, I feel like I thought I'd never heard of until like last year, hip dips, hip dips. I've never heard of that prior to last year, had never thought that my hip dips were an issue. So hip dips, basically when you have like your hip, like your, the the natural, like hourglassy look of your hip, but then it goes in and then out again. If you, if that makes sense, you can Google a, a photo if you want. I'm sure there's a million out there, but like I have hip dips, didn't realize that that was an issue or like, I mean, I know now it isn't an issue. It's just something that people try to target. Like you can get certain surgeries and whatever. And like, 
while I am, I will say guys, while I am open to trying things like cool sculpting, I'm interested in because it's non-invasive and I just, I want to like see, I want to test the waters because I am in the camp of like, you shouldn't feel the need to change yourself. Like I shouldn't feel the need to like change myself, like the need keyword need. But you know, if I'm like able to like try some things to make me feel more confident, you might as well. But I think it's, it's firstly about accepting the fact that you're beautiful with or without plastic surgery or whatever the heck you're doing. Like you are beautiful without or with like, this is not the end all be all. Like this is the only thing, this is the thing you need to do in order to be beautiful. Like once you accept that, once you accept that you're beautiful both ways, I think that that's when it's like, it's healthy, it's fine. But that's just my personal opinion about it. Like plastic surgery is not going to make you happier per se. You know, it might make you feel more confident, but like, it's not you know, guaranteed going to make you happier if you don't deal with the stuff that's brewing beneath the surface of you. You know what I mean? Um, but anyway, one could wonder now, it's like, what's next? What's next? Cellulite, hip dips, like what's the next problem going to be? What's the next insecurity? Like for years, it was like, you need to be this pencil thin, you know, Paris Hilton, tall, skinny type. Now it's like the Kim Kardashian era. Like what's going to be next? I wonder. Anyway, uh, that is food for thought for today, guys. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And if you are feeling down on your cellulite, just know there is a lot of history that points to the fact that it is really very much a marketing scheme that worked. And it's something that was considered beautiful for many centuries. So who knows? Maybe it'll enter as beautiful again. I mean, I, I think it is, but I want it to be widely known as something that is normal, that is beautiful, that does not mean you are obese. That does not mean you have a condition. It is just plain normal. So that is it for this episode, guys. Hope you all enjoyed, and I will talk to you all next Thursday. Bye.